Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome in to Like Trees Walking. Do you come into a podcast? You do enter in. You do. You sort of enter in with your, with your mind, with yes. your soul. <laughs> enter in, hang up your coat, stay a while. Yes. Uh, this is Like Trees Walking. I am Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge. Uh, we haven't potted together for a while. It's good to see you, yeah, Pastor Dave. It hasn't been too... It, like, we've let it slide a little longer before, so I'm actually proud of us for... I've seen you. I just haven't seen you across, you know, with the head, with the cans on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the pe- listeners will know, yeah. of course. And you and your golden mic. The man <laughs> with the golden mic. The man with the golden mic. It is, uh, a, it is a fake gold. Uh, I think I've explained this microphone isn't. There's nothing special about it, but it just it looks fancy. I think uh, people will uh, be able to tell that we pretty much have the same microphone with different casing on it. No gold on mine. Funny. No, yours is platinum, oh. so it's worth way, even, way even more. better. Dave, what is the podcast that we're about to do? Like Trees Walking is a podcast where Mike, Mister Nelson, and I talk about uh, the big questions. Of life, uh, the universe, philosophy, theology, uh, and the culture. We do so from a Christian perspective. We welcome, of course, those of uh, any or no conviction at all. Um, the, the, the opposed, the supporting, the, the curious or skeptical. Come one, come all, hear ye, hear ye. Um, we're sort of a Ren Fest in that way. <laughs> oh, boy. All people, all people can come <laughs> and find their place. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, so, and we, we do serious stuff, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And then to- we'll have the topic and then we'll have another department at the end of the show. So, yeah, we have a fun thing coming up today for the second half of our show because it's a long hang time on it. I mm-hmm. promised it was a cliffhanger that we never got back to. That was, Largely unintentional, but now I think it makes for a nice uh, performance art piece is that we left you hanging for a long time. We were talking about scary stories, and I claimed that I had a real, true, scary story um, uh, around a Stephen King episode. And uh, this is the season of It, and so we uh, we revisited. Uh, as, as we're recording this, I believe It, uh, two weeks ago, it shattered yes. box office records for a what I believe is a piece of garbage movie from everyone I heard. <laughs> but I, for but, a long time, thought that It was the name of the clown. Oh. But so, apparently it's Pennywise is the name of the clown. Oh, so now we, we, people can start correcting you just like they do with Dr. Frankenstein. And, it's, it's, yeah, I was watching that Frankenstein monster. Um, excuse me. It's actually <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. Like, yeah, give me a break. Right, yeah. But Yes, so we cover it all from the sublime to the ridiculous. We have a great, uh, yeah, Mike's got a great scary story. And it is fall, so the Halloween is around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can share my thoughts on that in a later podcast. We wow. promised that, too. So there's an, the cliffhangers are piling up here. Uh, but we have an important topic. We have a big topic. And you're bringing it into the arena. Let's throw it out there and let's uh, wrestle with this topic. Yes. Go, Pastor I Dave. will introduce it and, uh, and, and say what I have to say. So this one comes from the – it's a phrase that gets bandied about within – kind of when people are trying to make a – persuasive um, case uh, for why they why they believe something or why you should believe something or why you shouldn't oppose them and you should accept uh, the proposition um, that they are advancing and it's this one it is listen you x y or z are on the wrong side of history 
<laughs> the phrase, the wrong side of history. Yeah. Uh, and so wh- what does it mean in your, uh, in your view? What does it mean? What are they saying? And then what is it actually? Uh, I-, I believe we know that they're trying to do something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're trying to spike your idea. I mean, obviously, if you're on the wrong side of history, that's a lot of weight to, to go up against. But what are they actually saying? Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, he explained. <laughs> I think uh, that, that's largely how it functions. Because to me, it's not an, it's, it's not an argument uh, in and of itself. Like, because if you actually stop and break it down and parse it, you know, I don't think very many people have a philosophical conception of a Hegelian notion of history or, <laughs> or even a, a Whig notion of history, which we can talk about, that they're actually appealing to. Um, it is a uh, – so what, what are people really saying is like basically uh, my ideas of the way things should be happening are the way that they inevitably are going to go, sort of the tide of culture and the tide of um, public opinion are on my side. Yes, mine and, will obviously win out. Why are you fighting? Yeah, so my stop idea fighting. You don't. You don't want to like get swept away in the tide. You don't want to swim against the stream, right? It's too hard to swim against the stream. So come on, baby, go with the flow. Jump in. So yeah, it's basically a way of saying like, shut up. Your idea is inevitably going to lose. My idea is right. So come on, stop. You know, stop being stubborn. Just accept my position. Is 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 how it functions when people use that phraseology. That phrase not in and of not itself came up, but my wife and I were talking about that, and the uh, retort to that from our friend G.K. Chesterton came up for some other reason. A fallacy does not cease to be a fallacy just because it becomes fashion. One of the great, I believe, Chesterton. Quotes, if if right? I'm I'm missing a word or two there, but I believe that is the quote. Does that answer that? Uh, does that speak into that? Yes, because it, <laughs> when you're talking about a, a fa- Chesterton's talking about a fallacy, so is something true or false? Uh, the truth or falsehood or the goodness or badness of something has nothing to do with whether or not it fits with some you know notion of progress. You have to defend on its own merits the thing that you're trying to advance as progress. So you know, for example, uh, you know, in the um, you know in the 20th century. When when communism was a very live option, sort of Soviet communism, you know, in in uh, <laughs> if you were with uh, Stalin or uh, Nikita Khrushchev, you know, he would have looked at the capitalist West and he would have said, "You must accept, you know, uh, the dictatorship of the proletariat because you're on the wrong side of history." Right. And I think he was actually probably being a more honest broker because there is a Marxist Hegelian idea of history, you know, that this this idea um, Hegel. Uh, G.F.W. Hegel? Is that what it is? Or G.W.F. Hegel? Uh, J.R.R. Hegel? I, I don't know. <laughs> so Hegel was a German philosopher uh, famous for the notion of idealism. But basically that, that history almost has this mystical or godlike quality to it. That uh, history is moving kind of through this process of thesis, antithesis, synthesis and that is 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 this notion of progress that under, underlies it. So it's it's how the world works, how the universe operates is according to this principle, this understanding um, uh, that, that Hegel brings to the table through philosophical um, idealism. And, and, and it was highly influential and, and uh, Marx is, is a dialectical materialism. So it's, Oh, oh, it's it's Hegel (laughs) dialectical, just meaning like 
thesis antithesis yes. you know that that there's our two poles um opposed to one another and it's material in that you know hegelian is you know it's all it's all it's his whole system is populated with these mystical ideas these spooky ideas they would say and so dialectical materialism is saying no 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 it's not some like um you know abstract or ideal condition outside of the pro- material processes processes of of this world but it's all contained within the material world itself that that through the material conditions that's what's presenting us with the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and it's all moving towards a communist society, a, a society of equal power, equal status, equal goods. You know. So what I heard you say, mostly it sounded like a dog barking to me, but <laughs> no, no, out of that. So the, the uh, materialist world synthesized Hegel into... The Marxist view is what you're saying. Yes, okay. yes, they that did. Is, they, they, that is the synthesis. They took that, but and, and this is uh, you do. So Mike and I had this conversation before. We're, we're on the last podcast. I think where he's like, sometimes I read aloud, and I wonder, was I just going? Bleh, 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 yeah, bleh, exactly. And people say I was kind of just doing that. But <laughs> but anyways, you could be a college professor. I mean, <laughs> no, seriously, the, that uh, was a a material. The um, a, but this notion of uh, the wrong side of history is itself a bastardized version of something that we see from Martin Luther King, who himself, he got it from a uh, uh, an, an abolitionist preacher, I believe. And it was this notion that the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And so it's this notion of divine providence or that that progressive revelation almost or God has this plan for the universe that is continually unfolding. So it's an appeal to shared principles, a shared convictions, a shared vision instead of, you know, hey, shut up, like, don't right. stop talking about this. Because, you know, when King is using it, he is using it in the context of, you know, the civil rights movement and the South. And notionally, right, he's sharing religious, you know, he and his people who oppose civil rights have a a, a core commitment to Christ and to the scripture. And yeah. so and so he's saying, hey, listen, this this is what God is doing. So he's appealing to this this Western notion of who God is and God's role in history as a way of saying, like, this direction that I am trying to point us is faithful to what came before it. Right, right. Um, as you were talking about the, the Marxist part of it and in, in communism in the Soviet Union, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, I think, one of the the classic and great jokes from the people who lived under the regime would say, and it relates directly, would say, um, the future is never in doubt. It's the past that always keeps changing. <laughs> they, they would erase players, like, literally from, Yeah, there's you know, the famous picture of... kill Tr- them, but Tr- they would also... Trotsky. <laughs> Trotsky was erased from the photos. Right. And he was murdered in Mexico, right? Yes, exactly. He was garroted in Mexico, <sighs> I think. It's yeah. a horrible, being garroted, a terrible way to go. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so th- they were literally saying history will, of course, bend our direction. We see it all. It's it's the fulfillment. Even the not, past never bend into, towards justice. Exactly. Uh, it, it, so, it, like, and I, I really think that what, it's an appeal, if you're using that, it's, it's only, an, I guess it's only an appeal that works within your own in-group, but it doesn't work because we have different notions of what constitutes progress, you know, which yeah. direction is history headed, it, you know, like, like if, if we don't, ha- that's, it's, I, I don't, I'm probably using it in the wrong sense, but it's sort of begging the question. Yeah, Like it's it assuming 
a presence. Uh, uh, it's assuming a present a premise that isn't shared. Yes, and I think it also like look, you're living at the end of history, meaning that we're here in the present and mm-hmm. history's behind us, and then you make connections. The human mind likes to make connections and goes, this is the way that history is obviously headed. I always like, you know, the, the perfect example, the popular science magazines of, you know, the 50s. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're obviously, if history continues on the way it is, we're going to be flying around in personal helicopters and beaming thoughts to one another through little helmets that we wear and all of that stuff. But everybody does that on some level of assuming they know where it's all headed and like, History has never done that. If you would, you know, if you could jump around, you could see that's clearly not the case. There is no linear history, so it's even wrong on on the face on of the it. face of it. And yeah. certain things, you know, I guess like the quality of light, like artificial light, is <laughs> moving towards progress. You know, yeah. some of these trivial examples we see. Okay, yeah, there's clearly progress in certain areas, but. In the terms of normative, you know, moral claims, claims of, of justice, these are contested claims, and, and there's no such thing as inevitability. You know, even within the Christian tradition itself, you know, at the end of our Bibles is, is this very uh, difficult to interpret book called Revelation, not <laughs> Revelations, but, no. but, but, Revelation. but Revelation, and within it, you know, it's, uh, it's full of these, you know, apocalyptic, uh, fantastical visions, and something that's very clear is, you know, even though it all works, it all works out in the end, uh, there's lots of uh, bad things that yeah. happen before that end comes, so even if you have this Christian notion of, of progress, um, it's not sort of a Pollyannish view that everything's going to just continually always advance upward and to the right on this sort of pro, you know, this crude sort of notion of progress chart. And so we we have to be, I think, very very careful of um, assuming too much and assuming that everyone shares our same vision of progress and that our vision of progress is God's vision of progress. Uh, we have to stop and think and make the case for. Um, for what we would call progress on its own terms and own merits, as opposed to just assuming that people will shut up because I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, a great deal of humility is uh, is necessary here. I, uh, I was thinking of this in terms of the... I wonder what a person who in 1913 would have said about... Because history looked somewhat tidy. I've just been reading a lot about World War I, yeah. so I'm, yeah, obviously this is where this is going, but... <laughs> But the, uh, uh, you know, the, there was sort of all the agreements between the countries. There was a lot of modernity being introduced into all of the little kingdoms and fiefdoms. And they had their little agreements. And everyone was sort of like, we've seen the end of war. We're kind of done with this. And so, you know, history would have been bending towards sort of a happy little future. And then a year later, you know, the greatest catastrophe you know, probably in the history of mankind. Probably, some some yeah. of that history yeah. is not available to us, but um, no one would have said that. I mean, the, the, the book, history is loaded with people going, nobody had any idea this was coming. I mean, aside from a few people who are always predicting doom, nobody the, the saw The Cassandras, right? Yeah, nobody saw this. So, yeah, uh, you, you, you can't know. And I don't, you know, maybe this is more common in America because our experience of that catastrophe was so f- at such a remove and we sort of came, swooped in at the last moment and as, as victors. But in Europe, there was this very strong sense of, of 
this notion of progress, this Whig view of history that things are always getting better and better and better and better and better. And my understanding, at least it, as a pastor reading in the realm of theology, is that this was a shattering experience of this naive view of progress. And really, I think we're still continuing. I think the sec- one of the causes of the secularization of Europe is this just profound loss of faith, of hope um, mm-hmm. in the future that was shattered by this war where everything that told them that had this very cheerful notion of how things were going to go and pushed, you know, this entire generation into this utter catastrophe, you know, what lost credibility. Um, and maybe we're just so kind of our good fortune air quotes, good fortune in America. And where I think I've, I mean, this is where I have encountered this rhetoric the most is we, we, we weren't sullied by that war. We didn't get our hands dirty enough that are, that we weren't humbled in this notion of, of, this very naive notion of progress where we can throw around bandy around terms like wrong side of history because we don't know where history is going. But uh, Francis Fukuyama wrote that, that famous book, the end of history, basically saying like the cold war is over. Wow. Who saw that coming? And now liberal, you know, democracies with um, basically free markets. That's, there's no other great grand developments in history. So we're just going to wait for the rest of the world to kind of become all like us. And as we've seen recently, that's not necessarily how it's going to play out at all. Yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that. I think I hope we broke it down. I hope uh, listeners will share their thoughts with us. Yeah. Just call it. I think hopefully my only goal, my very modest goal is to to say that the notion of uh, uh, wrong side of history itself has a complicated history. Um, history is more complicated <laughs> than naive notions of progress. So when you make that claim or you find that claim compelling, stop. Yeah. Think. Interrogate. I'd like to tie it up with what I thought was a very pessimistic thought and yet kind of true, but I'm just going to throw it out there mm-hmm. because it occurred to me. You know that the pessimism of the uh, European countries after World War One. One of the reasons it wasn't as bad as it could have been because everybody who lived through the worst things was dead. That's <laughs> you know? So, I mean, you know, literally, like entire generations of of men wiped out. Yeah. So, the people who lived didn't even have the full picture of the horror of how hor- hor- of how, how awful and horrible it would be. Yeah. So, and and Lewis talks about what my bow is. He talks about also this notion of chronological snobbery right yeah, oh yeah, newest yeah, is yeah. best and oh yeah and i mean i think that the, i find that claim you know very 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 compelling just a, a the high degree of arrogance with which we can carry ourselves you know i i have an iphone 7 is is about all you need to say <laughs> like i'm i'm done i'm i've obviously arrived at the perfect time in history as i'm swiping right on my phone like this is it what who who were these idiots Using coal in the past, morons, you know, whatever. That, yeah. yeah, that arrogance. Unless you're like into steampunk. Up oh, totally, man. You are. You're like. You can see. Well, that's why I'm wearing these goggles today. <laughs> Mike has his his welding goggles on and he's <laughs> twisting his mustache. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, we will be back. We're going to have a terrifying ghost story to celebrate sort of the fall, the pumpkiny season that is on its way. Pumpkin spice season. Yeah, but uh, that will be after this appeal from Pastor Dave. You got it. Hello, everyone. It's me. And I'm making my 
every episode appeal. Uh, this time, I thank you. Uh, I did get a response after the last one, so I really, really appreciate it. We are at 38 five-star reviews, and so you can help us get above 40. That would be super helpful. Also, of course, if you can write a written review, that's really, really helpful. So um, rate us, review us, and click subscribe wherever you get this fine podcast. Of course, you can check us out on the web at liketreeswalkingpod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Michael G. Nelson or at David underscore Berge. Um, And we appreciate all that you do to listen, to support, um, to share, uh, uh, to interact with us, the feedback. We we just appreciate it so much. We love doing this um, for our audience. So hopefully you find this useful. And let's get back to the show and this scary, scary story. And we are back. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Um, Ooh. So, Mike, we have promised people that you will. Uh, you left him with a cliffhanger. I, d- I don't know how it came up. I think we were talking about Stephen King. This is months ago. Yeah. I, I did not do my research to find out what, you know, where it came up or, or what the deal Somehow was. Somehow Stephen King came up. Maybe we were Shawshank Redemption. He wrote that. I was amazed by that. Oh, you were no. I that was uh, I read that when when I was young. And that was about the time I stopped reading Stephen King. Okay, so that's many many years ago. I've never read a Stephen King book, so. But I promised you an actual scary story. Scary story. So, tell me the scary story. And so, okay, so I this, already know it, but this is our new department <laughs> called Mike tells you a scary story, <laughs> and this is the theme. How many do you have? You know, I was telling uh, at Chestertonians the other night. I was telling. Uh, the odd and scary stories that happened in my life, and I had two of them that that had people doubting that I was just lying. Like, I'm like, they they're like, oh, this is this is no way, this is true. And what can I do? Like, I have two. Is one of them the one you're about to share? No, I have. Uh, there's two more that are, are even more hair curling. And this is this is scary. This one's a real scary story. All right. So Were you here. lying about the other ones? No, no, no. This was a new. We can. This is legit. So I have, a new I have department. two more. I have two more that are. I, I'm almost loath to tell them because they're so bizarre and so. We'll, we'll, we'll wait, but we'll, we'll wait. No, we'll I'll, wait. T- I'll I'll save them for the new department. Oh, but wow. I'm saying, but I you almost don't want to because you tell people in life and they, it's the thing that you need to get through life to tell people your stories. And so if I do it on a podcast, am I sort of ruining? No, y- you know what I'm saying. No. Okay. Good. All right. Well, then let's burn them later. All right. So here's <laughs> so scary story, Mike. So so here's the story. So I'm uh, I'm. 15 years old, maybe, you know, between 15 and 16. Um, I lived in a uh, 80 acres in Wisconsin in the middle of the woods, right? Sounds charming. It was, it was fine. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I grew up in a, a, a suburb of Illinois, so this was quite a change. We moved to this place. But anyway, the point being dark, middle of the woods, there was a, a scaredy light, as we used to call them, in the in the yard, kind of far away, but not. And I had a, a basement in the bedroom. Uh, a basement I had a bedroom. <laughs> I had a, that's the scary part. <laughs> that's that's the shocker. <laughs> I had a bedroom in the basement, uh, so it was just pitch pitch dark. Like you know, as as my dad used to say, darker than the inside of a deacon's hat. Just there's just well, that's a good saying. <laughs> it is not good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so just pitch dark and. Um, my dad worked nights, so he was gone. My my mom was asleep. Um, my brothers were gone. I don't know where. I was alone. 
Where, and, you, where are you in the birth order? Youngest or oldest? Or I'm youngest. So okay. my older brothers are gone. So they're I, off doing whatever. I have a younger sister, but she's been probably long asleep. I'm up late reading a Stephen King story. The house is utterly black and silent, and it's just me with my reading lamp in my scary bedroom in the basement. Okay? Is that set it R- up for you? Rural Wisconsin, middle of the woods, 80 acres. There is 100%... No one else in the house who isn't asleep upstairs. I am the only one in the basement, right? And I'm reading a Stephen King. I do not remember which book, but it was, you know, during a, a like the height of a thing where he's confronting a demon or a monster or something. And I'm lying in bed reading it going, I should probably go to bed. This is not, I'm, I'm scaring it's myself. It's not going to help you sleep. This is not good. And right at that moment, a knock on the bottom of my bed, a physical knock. I wish could I we could, create I could, this? Maybe, can you, is that coming through? The, yeah, yeah, it's coming through. It is literally like this, a knock, and I can feel, it's, it's, I can hear, but I can also feel the little percussion of, as the knock hits the bottom. So this is not just a noise that you're hearing. <laughs> you're viscerally feeling this. Yes. So that occurs. This knock under my bed. This is 100% true, and you will understand when the story comes to its conclusion that it is true. I'm not putting you on. So what do you do? You know, you're... I, I'm not going to call out like, Mommy, you know, I'm, I'm nearly 16 years old. And so you just sit and think, and then I just think, all right, I got inside my, you know, I am doubting the evidence of my own eyes like Scrooge did. I'm, I'm saying, no, they can't. I mean, it's obviously not a thing. I will close the book. I will turn off the light. I will go to bed. All will be well in the morning. And at that moment, another knock on the bottom of my bed. <sighs> and so... At your chamber door. Yes. Oh. So another long, tormented moment of just, but now there can be no doubt. There's kind of, you know, people always talk in books and stories where they say, like, am I dreaming? Yeah. You know, am I? And, but everybody knows there's no doubt when you're not dreaming or, when you, or did I actually hear that? And now there's like absolutely no doubt. And my denial can no longer override this. And so um, it happens a third time. And then I just think, well... We got to get this over with. I mean, I'm, it's, en- it's I mean, ending somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> this is going to end, and um, so let's just do it. And and I want to, you know. So were you scared? Like, were you at this point terrified? I'm terrified beyond. I mean, yeah, you. I th- almost in another state of because it was 100 percent real. There's something, someone under my bed. And I was reading a Stephen King. Did I conjure this thing up out of my own imagination? Am I, like, what could this possibly be? Your life could be over. You know, is your imagination when I you're going to die? Yeah, so I do the grip, the you know, the rails (laughs) under your bed thing, and then do the big lunge under the bed to just go, just, all right. (laughs) <laughs> one way or another. All right, demon. If you're right. gonna take me, I'm I'm not gonna go cowering. You'll you'll pull me down to the pits of hell for me. Right, exactly. So I got it. So you just do that because again, because mostly it's like I'm not gonna you know, wake up, mommy. I might, you might. You weren't tempted at all to. to... I really that never occurred to me. So I, I uh, so I did it. I look under the bed. I see nothing really. It's obviously pretty dark. 
So then I, all right, well, I didn't die in the initial thing. So I launch out of bed and I grab a light or turn lights on and look under there. And, and there it is under the bed is a pretty large, nearly dead frog <laughs> that, <laughs> that was covered in dust bunnies. Oh my goodness. And half dehydrated. The, the simple solution is my dog would uh, smuggle frogs in in his mouth to play with later when we, he was an inside-outside dog and would go capture giant frogs from the, uh, from the grass and would, you'd come in the door and sometimes you would have to, you'd have to like sort of tap his face and then he would sort of admit he'd look down shamefacedly and would drop a giant frog on the so on this the was so a giant this frog a, in the home was a common occurrence. This was well, no, they he usually didn't get them in the home. Ah. She didn't get them in the home. This dog because she usually couldn't pull off the. She had the guilty look, and you you know when someone's holding something in their mouth, even a dog, you're kind of like, yeah. all right, drop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, she craftily smuggled in a very large frog that. The poor thing didn't know where it was. He must, uh, she must have got bored with the frog and just let it go. And so it hopped around the basement all night long and came to my bed and just the right time and, uh, and caused me to uh, probably cut, what, 10, 15 years easily, off my life? Easily. Yeah. Did you uh, nurse the frog back to health? The frog was, was a goner. <laughs> I, I took it outside. I, I washed it off and took it outside, but... So maybe it survived. I don't know. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> and Mike, this is your life behind that door. Yeah. This is the frog. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you saved me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, the fact that I didn't uh, choke him to death right there, I guess, is a, you know, a testament to... Uh... But anyway, that's my real-life ghost story. That it's is pretty a, harrowing, that's isn't it? That's very harrowing. That's a scary story, Mike. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, just to clarify, every couple of minutes he could get up the strength to jump and and just hit his head up against the that was all he could do and then he sort of unconscious again under my bed never knowing what he was creating the nightmare he was creating mm. just 12 inches above him mm. 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 so there it is uh that is that's my story you're I, a scary story. Let's, let's get the music back i don't know if i have any let's not i wouldn't say this is as scary <laughs> as is, just is this like the rest oh, oh there, there we go so yeah. there, there we go. That's uh, Mike's That's scary stories. Mike's with ghost Mike stories. Nelson. And uh, and I have so I have two more of those. I guess I can't, two more is... that I can think of just off wow. the top of my head. Wow, um, I have no scary story. The the next two involve actual actual danger and murder. Oh, well, well, <laughs> not a, not a fulfilled murder, but you'll you'll understand when you hear it next. So there's, stay tuned. There's blood next time. Unlike on Tree's Wall, scary ghost stories. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been fun. It has been fun. Uh, anything to sum up about our big topic? Anything uh, to sum up about our little topic? Uh, <laughs> that frog was on the wrong side of history, right. Mike. Um, no, if you say you're on the wrong side of history, you're on the wrong side of history. Well, well summed. And so uh, we will see you next time on Like Trees Walking. We thank you as always for joining us. This is a lot of fun, and we appreciate you giving it the time and attention. Yes. We love it. We'll see you again here soon.